Today I interview Keith Stonehart on forgiveness. In our churches, we love to use big words. We obfuscate our pedagogy through superfluous grandiloquence, manifesting hubris instead of demureness. See what I mean? Inconceivable. While I might have a speech impediment, I certainly do not want to have a preach impediment. These get in the way of God's message reaching our hearts and minds. Let's dig through those big words and learn something incredible. Before we get started in today's topic, let me remind you to go and check out EdenHollow.com. This is the company I started to start publishing some Bible study guides and spiritual books, but we're starting to branch out into some fiction and even talking to some other authors. We'd love to have you check out what's going on at EdenHollow.com. Now let's jump into today's episode. Today I interview Keith Stonehart, and Keith was early on my list as a man I wanted an interview when it came to preach impediments, especially with the topic of forgiveness. Keith is such an easy-to-talk-to guy. You will find that out in just listening to this episode if you do not know him personally. He has an ability to take hard concepts and really boil them down to their very simple ideas and the very simple building blocks that make these concepts so powerful. Keith's love for the Word of God and his love for God's message of reconciliation is just uh, overwhelming when you sit down and you listen to him. Keith's background as being a rocker and somebody who did not grow up knowing God, but coming to know God later in life, and the reality he experienced regarding God's forgiveness and even the forgiveness of others in his life has definitely influenced his ability to be able to talk to others about how God can forgive them too. Let's jump on in. All right, Keith, uh, it's good to talk to you today about forgiveness. Give us a... Uh, kind of an everyday man's definition of forgiveness. Well, I think the everyday man's definition of forgiveness is being free of the consequences from what you've done. Um, I think the way the Bible conveys that idea is not just being free of the consequences, but being free of whatever it was that you did. Uh me being forgiven for my sins is not just about me being free of the consequences or forgiven of the consequences of what I'm owed for that, but being free of that thing itself, whatever it was that, that led me astray to need forgiveness. It's Forgiveness is costly, uh, no matter who's involved. Forgiveness is a costly transaction where somebody pays for the transgression. Absolutely. Um, well, and that, so, that oftentimes whenever we talk about yeah. forgiving or receiving forgiveness, you have a freeing from consequences. We don't have to worry about the punishment because we've been forgiven, but we'll say, well, you know, I, I forgive you, but I've learned something about you and I'm going to, it's going to take me a while to trust you again. It's going to take me a while to, to be able to put you in a situation where you could fall guilty again in the same way. And there's that sense of you, you still carry the the burden of the decision, even if you don't carry the consequences. I think most people have trust issues. You know, I think people long for stability. They, 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 they truly long for a life of predictability. Uh, meaning that we want everything to make sense and fall into place. And, uh, we want our life to be 
exact as a math problem. I mean, two plus two equals four every time. You know, math problems don't get divorced. Math problems don't get cancer. Math problems don't have affairs. Math problems don't talk behind your back or betray you or let you down. They're, they're perfect, but relationships are messy. And in this life, that's what we have, right? You have relationships, and in relationships, you're going to have all those problems that I just mentioned. It's like life is a relationship in, in life is more like a loose thread, right? If you ever pull a loose thread, sometimes it snaps according to plan, but most of the time, you end up with just, you know, you end up with your whole shirt in your hand before you're aware of it. And, uh, you know, forgiveness is one of those things that helps make life like a math problem. Because when something happens, when it's acknowledged and forgiveness is requested and it's exchange, it's given in exchange, then, then that problem has been solved. I think the, the real work of forgiveness comes in when we have to then allow it to be finished. I think that's where we, we probably struggle the most. And I'm thankful for a God that when he forgives, he forgets. Human beings aren't blessed with that, uh, that ability. But man, wouldn't it be nice if we were? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you made me, in my head, I've started singing the sweater song by Weezer. So. <laughs> it's exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, so, in the way that you talked, it got me thinking about a way of distinguishing between two different concepts of forgiveness that I've not thought about before. That there's a sense in which we tend to, as humans, think about forgiveness on a transactional basis, meaning you did this thing, it requires this reaction. There is a transaction based on an event. Whereas forgiveness really is a relational concept, not an event or a transactional concept. That it's not about you did this thing to me, therefore we have to deal with the thing. It's you did this thing to me and now our relationship is broken and we've got to figure out how to move not just past the event, but we have to repair the relationship behind the event. And that's what makes forgiveness so messy, uh, to use the word that you used earlier. It's, it's messy. Yes. And what makes forgiveness with God so different than forgiveness the way we do it on earth is because God is able to erase the transaction because he forgives and forgets according to Hebrews 8 and Hebrews chapter 10, he is able to restore the relationship back to what it was before the transaction or the event happened. So we struggle with relational forgiveness, even if we don't struggle with transactional forgiveness. And God doesn't struggle with either one. Agreed. Agreed. I think that's a great way to put it. And I think, you know, as human beings, we would serve ourselves well to go back and, and look at maybe what helps give God that ability. And that's getting our perspective correct first. Yeah, Psalm 139, 14. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I think that if we first recognize that God don't make junk, right? God don't make junk. And so each one of us were created with the capacity to, any, to do anything humanly possible. And so where some people truly believe that they just can't get past this thing, this, you know, that you were talking about the transactional uh, uh, perspective. Some people truly believe, well, I, I just can't get past this. Whether it's something they've done to where they can't accept forgiveness or it's something someone has done to you where you just can't feel like you can get past that. 
God has made us wonderfully and fearfully. He didn't make junk. You know, he didn't make us with the inability to, to not be able to or whatever. That's, that is our ego talking. That is, that is our ego that gets in the way of allowing God to, 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 to work through us. Um, that's a lie that Satan has told us, you know, um, that everyone can forgive. Everyone can be forgiven. The sad thing is that not all will. Not all will take advantage of that, you know. It's not, so it's not a matter of can't. It's a matter of won't. You know, I, I know that personally myself, I struggled a long time with allowing myself to be forgiven. And, I, and, the, and the reason I'm saying it that way, I don't want to say that I couldn't allow myself to forgive myself because I, I never want to downplay. You know, we, we talk about, we say that a lot. It's become a, a, a real popular catchphrase that, oh, listen, you need to forgive yourself. And that's true. But I think sometimes what we do is when we do that, we downplay the severity of sin. That there ought to be some period of mourning. You know, that whenever I have sinned against God, I shouldn't be so quick to just forgive myself, just to let myself off the hook. I should beat myself up a little bit because of what I've done. But again, because of the cost of it, that that whenever I crucify the Son of God afresh with my sin, I don't need to be so quick to let that go. It doesn't mean that He hasn't, right? It doesn't mean that when I repent, God hasn't forgiven me instantly. But I never want to downplay the severity of sin. However, we do have to come to a point where we allow ourselves to be forgiven. I, I think back to early on, you know, Kelly and I had a lot of problems before we became Christians. Uh, you know, we, we were, uh, I was in the rock band. She was a, a bartender. You know, we were, we were living a very different life, very different mindsets and mentalities and that sort of thing. And anyway, I was not behaving as a husband should behave. Uh, I did things a husband shouldn't do. Uh, I, I broke trust. Infidelity was, was part of that equation. But it was the thing that also brought us to the gospel. And so in a roundabout way, you know, all things work to the glory of God for those who love him. So in a roundabout way, that's how we came to the gospel was, was having to go that far down. Once I became a Christian and I began to understand, I had a hard time allowing myself to be forgiven by her. Uh, that she had said she forgave me, but... I felt so awful for what I'd done um, that I, I I kept it alive right here, right? And um, my my friend and mentor, Jeff Harward, I remember one afternoon I was I was in one of my pity parties and uh, Jeff just called me out. He said, dude, he goes, you got to stop this. And I said, stop what? He said, this whole guilt thing that you do. He says, man, he goes, did you, did you repent? And I said, well, of course I did. He goes, do you believe God forgave you? I said, well, yeah. He said, did you repent to your wife? I said, of course I did. He goes, well, do you believe she forgave you? I said, yeah, of course. He said, well, then you spit in both of their faces when you constantly reject what they have freely given you. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, you will not allow yourself to be forgiven. He says, you think you know better than God? He says, son, you don't have that kind of power. He said, you need to get over yourself. And I was just like, whoa. I mean, I, my, my feelings were hurt. And I was mad, you know. And, and, and I, but I, I remember going in the house and thought about it and thought, about it. I was like, man, he's right. You know, to reject the forgiveness that's been offered to me, I don't have that kind of power. I don't have the kind of power to reject God's forgiveness. 
right? He didn't, I mean, when he, God has extended me forgiveness, my only option is to accept it, right? And so there, there comes a point where we have to accept the forgiveness, that we have to allow ourselves to be forgiven. And what I think that does is that then helps us later on where we should forgive others, that we're quick to do so. So what is it you think that causes us to not readily accept forgiveness from others? You know, that, that is such a blessing to receive. It's such a good thing. It's beneficial to us to accept it. Yet, I think you're right. So many of us struggle to believe that acceptance is true, that it's really there, that it's something yeah. we, should, we should believe in. What, what, what's the hang up? What are the hurdles? Well, for me, I know it was guilt. It was guilt. And Jeff was right. I wore my guilt around my neck like a badge, almost. Like, you know, I've, I've done this awful thing. You know, here's my badge to prove it. You know, and it, it's... I didn't see it that way until until I did. <laughs> you know, yeah. until until he helped me see it. But, I mean, um, I think guilt is, is, is one. I think when, when they understand the gravity of, of infraction... You know, that when we sin against God, how just how big of a deal it is, that it's not a flippant thing. It's not a, uh, oh, well, no big deal. It's all, it, of course it's a big deal because it is, it crucifies the Son of God. When you realize it, you know, in those terms, when you, when it, when you put th- that kind of weight onto it, I, th- I think guilt comes into play. I think, sh- I think, I don't want to say pity, but maybe, maybe that the, there's, the, there's an element of where, I think maybe sometimes we enjoy being the victim. And what I mean is that, that I didn't commit the infraction, but I'm the one that committed the infraction. Therefore, I twist it. I turn it and make myself the victim rather than the person that I've hurt or offended. I mean, I, th- I think Satan's at work in all of it, whether it's guilt or shame or manipulation or pity or you know wh- whatever. I-, I think a lot of times that's, those are our hangups. It reminds me of Ephesians 4, uh, the last couple of verses there. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. And then it continues. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as Christ in, or as God in Christ forgave you. And so that, you know, all kind of attached to this concept of God forgiving us in Christ is that it can cause maybe... Uh, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, and malice. Like it can cause all of these bad things to show up in our hearts when we've been forgiven. And we, we tend to intellectually or logically think it works the other way. Yeah. But I, I think back to times where I've been forgiven for something stupid that I've done or something that uh, where I've betrayed a friend in some way or another. And it, it almost causes me to... Uh, to to react, I, I, the best word I have is with some sort of angering jealousy. Of mm. well, who are you to be so good when I'm so bad? Yeah. Or who are you to have this reaction? I wouldn't have had that reaction. Yeah. And, and you start playing the comparing game, and then because you wouldn't be so readily uh, or willing to forgive you assume that maybe their forgiveness isn't genuine. It causes you to wrestle mentally and emotionally. Yeah, well, I, I think I think you bring up a really good point. I think release has to be part of the process for both parties, right? I think with God, it's understood. We repent, God forgives. 
he releases us. I think we have to be willing to release as well. And when, when dealing with other people, if, if, if it's a, if it's a person, to person release has to be part of that process too. I think you have to define your mission to forgive and then embrace the humility that's necessary to not just forgive, but to be forgiven. I think there's a great deal of humility that has, that takes place on both parties where the person who's been hurt can humble himself to the, and not, and not, not take a, a position of superiority, but humble himself and say, I forgive you. And the person who is asking for forgiveness can be humble enough to accept it. Right. To not be too proud to be like, Nope, I don't want that. Right. Uh, and, and so you release the burden of the baggage, so to speak. Um, because any, any time forgiveness is, is, taking place it's there's there's baggage associated with that right where um i don't know it's, it's almost like sometimes we bring every event that's ever happened to us our, in our life to that moment uh and so we bring our baggage to to the moment and i think we have to be willing to settle that down and release it in humility release it as the forgiver to release that person and then as the forgiven to release our pride and accept it well, and I think, I think sometimes our, our pride masquerades as humility without, yeah. no, 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 I don't deserve your forgiveness. No, no, no. You know, and, and we almost are unwilling to even have an honest conversation about our need for forgiveness because of our false humility of not, you know, we, we don't deserve the forgiveness. Of course you don't deserve the forgiveness. That's why they're yeah. having to forgive you. <laughs> and so, you know, uh, I don't know who said this, but it is so true. That if you apologize more than once, you're bragging. Oh, that's, right? that's gold. Yeah. If you, if you apologize more than once, you're bragging. Colossians 3.12 comes to mind, where Paul says, Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. I think that, that is really the, the, the idea this idea of humility and meekness and bearing with one another. And I think, I think that's, that's, that's where it has to go to, you know, but I, I think we have a hard time getting there. Like you said, because of pride, whether I'm, I'm too proud to be forgiven or if I'm too proud to forgive. So there's another passage of scripture that uh, I always think of in terms of forgiveness, which is, uh, and, and it's said several times through scripture, but Psalm 103 verse 12 as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. How would that relate to the discussion of forgiveness? Well, I, I think that that's the the model for us. You know that that it, it kind of it goes hand in hand with with Jesus answering Peter's question, right? Of you know, should I forgive seven times? And Jesus says, well, you know, seven times seventy. I mean, and, and what he basically what he's saying is unlimited. And that Psalm one hundred three. As far as from the east is to the west, is an unlimited amount. But I think maybe even more so for human beings, there there also comes an idea because God can forgive and forget. You know, it's it's wiped away. Where you know, we we don't have that ability. Um, but I think that what that model gives us is a mindset in place of that. You know, the yeah, I don't have the ability to forget what you've done. I can just forgive you for it. Well, the unlimited model tells me then that forgiveness isn't just about the other person, but it's about me too. 
So it's not that I'll ever forget what they've done, but I'm not going to keep it in the forefront of my mind. That that I'm not meaning that I'm not going to throw something in your face every time we get into an argument. Remember that time you did this, or remember that time this happened. Um, I'm not going to let those things occupy the that that space in my mind. I'm going to release them so that my forgiveness, like God's, can can take an unlimited model. When you when you do constantly bring up past failures, that person never will believe your future forgiveness. Yeah. Because I mean, you've never forgiven me for this other thing. Why would I assume you forgive me for this thing? And it this also spills into uh, there. There are oftentimes where you know I've got bad feelings because of some event that happened in my past, completely unrelated to you, that I've never forgiven. Well, now I'm wondering if you would ever forgive me if we had a, a, a mishaps. And, yes. And so that attitude of being unwilling to forgive affects not just the relationship with that person, but it can affect every relationship if you become known as an unforgiving person. There's something to be said uh, for our Christ-likeness and that, um, you know, we can do everything right. We can, uh, you know, we, we can look the part, we can say the right things, we can, we can do everything right, but if we don't truly forgive people, I think that's where it has to begin with the Christian that that our faith requires things of us. With that in mind, I, I think I think forgiveness has to be something that we are ready um, to extend. I I know so many Christians, and this you know maybe I shouldn't say this, but maybe that's why I should say it. <laughs> you ever have those moments? Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but um, I know so many Christians that are so unwilling to forgive. And I hear things said all the time. Well, as soon as they repent, I'll forgive them. And I don't deny that someone should ask for my forgiveness if, if they've wronged me. But the reality is, I should already have let that go. That when they come to me, then it's just an acknowledgement of, oh, you're forgiven. Um, because of what it does to me, I remember, one time, I remember when I was 14. Oh, man. This is, this is bad. I remember I was 14. I'd gone to stay with my grandmother for a couple of weeks that summer. Uh, didn't really want to go. Because when you're 14, you don't understand. No, I wasn't 14. I'm sorry. I was 16. You don't really understand. Yeah, man, I've got to be down at my grandma's for two weeks. This is going to be lame. It's going to be terrible. You know. But my grandma was one of my favorite people. But I was a 16-year-old knucklehead. And there was one night where I had taken her car and me and some of the, the people that I knew down there had all gone out to this field and, you know, we had all been, you know, drinking and stuff that, you know, no one should be doing. Right. And we were. And I remember getting in, I don't know, it, it wasn't really late, but it was like midnight or one or something like that, you know. And, you know, she was she was up waiting on me. and And, of course, I felt horrible because I... Had was out later than I was supposed to be. I was doing stuff I shouldn't be doing, and now I had to lie to her to save my my skin. And so when she comes in, where you been? I said, you know, don't worry about it. It's none of your business. And I went on to bed, slammed the door, right, just trying to avoid the whole thing. Well, naturally, I wake up the next morning. I'm woken up to the smell of bacon, and 
<clears throat> and I realize that she's up. She's in there cooking breakfast. There ain't nobody else there, so she's cooking breakfast for me, right? So I get up, and I walk out to the kitchen, and she's there with her back turned to me, and I'm just, I'm feeling it, you know what I mean? Because I was a jerk to my grandma. Uh, not because she had done anything, but because I had, right? And I remember walking up, I got right up on her, and I said, Nana, and I started to say, I'm sorry. And she had turned around so quickly and just grabbed me and pulled me in. She goes, oh, you silly boy. I forgave you last night. You know, she couldn't go to bed until she forgave me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so that forgiveness was already present. And, and as soon as I acknowledged my wrong, she's like, you're forgiven. And I think, that, I think that's the, the same idea with us is that we should go ahead and extend forgiveness whether vocal or not, that we should forgive people immediately to not carry that bitterness around with us. I mean, you know, we know what Hebrews 2 says about bitterness and how, and how it can take root in the Christian. And, 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 you know, the last thing you want to have roots in your life is bitterness because of what it can do to you. And I know so many Christians that just seem so bitter. It's like, it's like, they, they, it's like they will wait on, on the Lord to come back himself before they forgive someone. They withhold forgiveness. And I kind of feel like we don't have the right to do that. Again, to, to quote Jeff Harward, we don't have that kind of power. And yeah, I do believe someone should come to me and repent. But the forgiveness should have already been extended. You know, that, that I have already gotten rid of that burden from myself so that I'm, I'm not walking around bitter. Back to that passage that I was quoting earlier uh, from Colossians 3, when it says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Well, how do you do that? Well, right above that, it says, and above all, put on love, which binds things together in perfect harmony. And the verse before that says, you also must forgive. If I want to let the peace of Christ rule in my heart, I've got, I've got to put on love and I've got to be ready and willing to forgive instantly uh, so that that peace can, can find its place there. Otherwise, I don't, I don't leave room for it. I don't leave room for peace because I've got this thing, this bitterness or whatever, blocking that. Well, and I, I, I don't know. I think this is the, the thing that we struggle with, even when it comes to the concept of grace. We've been brought up with this, you know, you sin, you ask for forgiveness. Every sin needs a prayer. Every sin needs yeah. a confession. And we have this tit for tat understanding, yeah. this transactional understanding of forgiveness with God. But the truth is, God said, you're my child. I forgive you because you're my child. Not because you've asked for it. I forgive you because our relationship demands forgiveness. Now, it's great for you to recognize your sin. It's great for you, for us to have conversation about your sin through prayer and the word of God. But ultimately, I don't have to sit here and wonder, well, did I ask for forgiveness for everything I did yesterday? Let me make a list and mention them all specifically to God or else I'm going to go to hell and, and feel like I've got to confess my sins enough in order to get into heaven. That's not the way forgiveness works. It's not the way right. relational forgiveness works. When Cole was six, um, we had a moment. Um, we just moved here to Fultondale. Two years prior to that, we had gone to Gatlinburg on a vacation. Uh, it was like, a, it was like a, you know, it's like in November. So it was like a, you know, Thanksgiving type getaway or whatever with family in Georgia. And 
on the way up there, of course, you know, you're, you're playing things in the car like you always do. And, and of course the twilight movies were big at that time. And so, uh, you know, we were having the discussion, if you could be a werewolf or a vampire, which would you be and why? Right. And so we're going through the car and it's me and it's Kelly and it's Kaya and it's Carlos. And, you know, we're, and, and we're all talking about why I would be a vampire or a werewolf. You know, it's just good fun. And Cole says, I am a werewolf. And we were like, yeah, yeah. No, he goes, no. I am a werewolf already. And we were like, you are? He goes, yeah. And we were like, well, what do you do? I just go out at night scaring people, doing werewolf stuff, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and we, and did we played along like, like all week, you know, we're like, Colt's it's a full moon tonight. And he would get real serious, you know, and like get this real serious face, you know, like, and dude, and, and then the weekend came and passed and we never said another thing about it. When we moved here, we're like I said, Cole's six at this point. So he was four when that happened. He's six and I'm in my office one day. And I, I hear him walk in, and I just hear him standing behind me, breathing, you know. And I turn around, I'm like, what's up, bud? <clears throat> and he's got tears in his eyes. He's like, I need to tell you something. I said, well, what, man? What, what's the matter? I'm, I'm immediately thinking, he's broken something, right? I mean, you know. And he just, he looks at me, he looks at his feet, and he looks back at me, and he looks at this, you know. And he finally goes, I'm not really a werewolf. You know, <laughs> and I just, I, I, I just said, oh, son, I said, I said, I, I know. I, and, and he just, he just fell into me. His little body just fell into me and I hugged him and you could just feel it like, just like go limp. Like, it's like he, and, and he, he said, I'm, and he said, dad, I'm sorry. He thought he had lied to me. Right. Yeah. He thought that he had lied to me and he wanted my forgiveness. He needed it. And whenever and whenever he fell into me and his little body just collapsed, I just thought, isn't that what it's like? Yeah, complete relief. That whenever that whenever I go to God and I'm like, I'm not really a werewolf. You know, yeah. God's like, I know. Right? <laughs> and 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 he, and and that that idea of I can let this go, man. I've been carrying this. I mean, I think about my poor son and I think, man, he carried this around for two years thinking that he, you know, that had, had really sinned against us. And I just thought, what a tender conscience that, that he needed my forgiveness. He needed me. He needed to hear me say, I forgive you. And his response, oh, it makes me cry, man, because he just, he just, you could just feel every, every inch of his body just relax. And I was just like, yeah, don't, we all need some of that, don't we? What a release, right? I mean, what a, uh, what a release, especially when you carry that burden around, uh, you know, that, that, that baggage. And man, what a, what a relief it would be if we could truly just know that we're forgiven, you know, and, and stop listening to the things that you've, you've been told, stop listening to the things you tell yourself and know what God has said about it. That is from as far as the east is from the west. That you're forgiven. Yeah. What a concept. What a great God. What a great God indeed. We have a forgiving and loving God. And if we will just trust in his forgiveness, it is amazing what a difference that will make in our lives and in the ability we have to forgive other people. 
Thank you for listening today to Preach Impediment. And I certainly hope this episode on forgiveness has been helpful to you. It ran a little longer than we typically like to run these episodes. But honestly, I had a hard time cutting out some of the things we talked about, about forgiveness. Hopefully this has been helpful to you. If it has, share it with others so that it can be helpful to them also. Tune in Thursday to hear a little bit more about forgiveness. Until next time.